Welcome to Mint, the podcast exploring the Web3 creator economy. I'm your host, Adam Levy, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be showing you what's happening at the corner where crypto meets creators by interviewing Web3's top creative entrepreneurs, collectors, and founders. This episode is brought to you by the composable and decentralized social graph Lens Protocol, who's ready for you to build on so that you can focus on creating a great experience, not scaling your users. Guys, I've talked about this on the podcast before. We as creators need to break through a new paradigm of social networking apps that we control rather than them controlling us. Lens Protocol isn't a social media app. It's designed to let Web3 social apps bloom. Own your content, own your social graph, own your data. Lens Protocol is the last social media handle you'll ever have to create. This episode welcomes Rantum, the blockchain data wizard whose work can be seen across art blocks, Uniswap grants, and is the writer at our network. Rantum is a straight Dune wizard. He's actually in the top three most active wizards on Dune, creating dashboards for all sorts of communities, tracking all sorts of metrics. Um, our theme for the next half hour revolves around on-chain data, specifically how creators can use on-chain data to build stronger communities. We outline various metrics you should consider tracking, Rantum's mental model for analyzing dashboards, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Rantum, welcome to Mint, the podcast. Thank you for being on. Special guest of season six, all things on-chain data. How are you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I I feel like an idiot. And I'll tell you why I feel like an idiot. Because when I was planning season six, I was like, okay, I want to do an on-chain data type of topic. And I should have looked at the Wizards on Dune. And then I, I came across the Wizards on Dune after I announced the season. And there you were in the top five, created too many dashboards to even count. Um, so I'm, I'm seriously stoked to have you on. And I think a good place oh, to I'm, start here. I'm excited <laughs> that you looked at that. Even. <laughs> you got it. All right. A good place to start is who are you, Rantum? What does the world need to know about you? Uh, and I'm specifically interested, like, how did you get your start into crypto? All right. So let's see. I've been working in crypto in data, crypto data analytics for about a year and a half now. Got started early 2021. Um, had been you know, interested in crypto, held crypto assets before, but hadn't really uh, been actively participating in it other than, you know, I mean, I, I had different tokens, you know, held them, but not much more than that. Um, started getting interested more in uh, NFTs, actually, and that's what uh, kind of drew me in um, initially uh, with some, some top shot over their initial summer when they were first out before kind of got crazy got out of it before it got crazy and then got into sort of like the art side of, of NFTs. Um, before I was working in crypto, I was working in uh, e-commerce, um, consulting with other, with many companies, working in uh, marketing, uh, with web marketing, with data analytics in that area, and saw an opportunity to kind of transition some of those skills over to, uh, to blockchain data. Um, so started making some dashboards on Dune analytics and, you know, kept making them. And some of them have gotten me a lot of stars and moved me up those, those ranks and, uh, you know, help some people to find me once in a while. I, I also know you're like a collector. I, I checked out your OpenSea profile, at least from what's public. Um, and you've got a ton of NFTs as well. So I guess kind of seeing your interest from the top shot days and then kind of seeing all these things that you've collected and now being actually an active contributor. I consider your contributions as like, a, you're like a, a participant in a DAO. And I think DAOs and communities have different levels of participation and being able to create dashboards is just like another one of those elements of participation that I would sort of argue is super important. 
I'm curious though, of everything to kind of get involved in, why, why the data side of things? Because uh, you seem to spend a lot of your energy on that side. Yeah, I mean, part of it was that I was already interested in that side of it. Sure. Um, and then the other part is that once you start looking into this, there's just endless amounts of, of data to keep looking at. You know, I was used to looking at, to work with data from individual companies. Um, and, you know, it's very siloed data. You could maybe get some metrics of what other companies were doing, but it really wasn't open open data that anybody could use. And, you know, obviously we have a very different case with blockchain data that anybody can go and access this data. Anybody can use it. Um, very different case that we have here. And I found that really interesting. You know, you can look at all of these different things, um, both from, from whether, you know, whether it's a collector perspective, whether you're looking at tokens, but whether also as a creator looking at, um, looking at all this information is such a different uh, world that we lived in with uh, siloed web two right. data. So when you look at the current like tooling landscape for data applications um, and you sort of think about the different tools that are available for people to sort of either understand their communities, to either build communities, um, to understand uh, certain metrics, what does your tool stack look like right now beyond Dune? So yeah, Dune's, Dune's my number one okay. tool still. Um, I use that pretty much daily. Um, and... I, well, I've definitely had to work with the OpenSea API quite a bit. I mean, you it's know, painful. It, it, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we do have this, all of this public data, but then we, you know, we still have a lot of silo data and that, that, you know, OpenSea data at least is available via API, but you know, really we've got all sorts of different marketplaces out there. And if you're trying mm -hmm. to look at that off-chain data in NFT specific, you'd be looking at listings, um, you know, it could be, I mean, listings are, are the big thing that you're looking for in, in NFTs and they can be all over the place with different marketplaces popping up. So, you know, trying to come uh, to kind of wrangle that data in, you know, different cloud da databases for that. Mm -hmm. um, although it seems there are new tools coming or new options coming or features coming to Dune that sure. make that easier to access right in their uh, platform. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I want to, I want to talk to you about like a lot of this conversation on where like data meets the creator economy in web three and how creators should sort of be thinking about data. And I think a big trend that we're sort of seeing recently is this concept of community interoperability, building identity, credentialing, um, all these sort of keywords that, uh, I guess we didn't really see uh, a couple of years back, especially when NFTs weren't at the, at the, at the, at the sort of like premier type of spotlight in crypto as they are today. Um, how do you sort of understand the concept of community interoperability, audience interoperability in Web3? What does that really mean? Either users being the platform and they don't really need to rely on, on sort of like creating value on platforms, like they are the platform in crypto, right? It could also be taken from the point of view of understanding like you, you can take your audience wherever you go, sort of, and platforms are building around this interoperable, this open transparent ledger that possesses all this information. You know what I mean? How, how do you see it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I guess I do see, I, I see that audiences can move around. You see that, you know, for artists, we'll see them produce on many different um, platforms, but to their artists are following them around. Um, you know, when I'm looking at art, artists specifically, if I look at, you know, someone like uh, Coldy, one of my 
favorite artists. He might produce on um, Nifty Gateway on um, his own contract, mm-hmm. on Super Rare. And it's different, it maybe different audiences in some degree, but it's, you know, really it's the same base audience that's kind of following him from, from platform to platform. And it's less, you know, there's there's some importance on the platform, but less importance on, on the specific platform to bring to, to go find that community rather than just bringing that community with him to that, uh, mm-hmm. to these other platforms and even enabling people to maybe use what they've already collected in the past to, to get access. And I think that's something that we're really seeing too, that you can, you can use these, use what the audiences have already collected, what they've done in the past actions that you can see on the blockchain and allow more when you move forward with another collection, it doesn't even have to be on that same platform. Yeah, that makes sense. As an as an analyst and someone who spends a lot of time creating dashboards, either for your own interests or for sort of to help communities, what are some of the first few sort of dashboards you create um, to help a community understand who their who their users are? So, I try to give tools that I really try to make data more accessible in general. I mean, that's one of the things that I like to do with these with my dashboards is build them as tools that others can use, be able to plug contracts in, plug contract addresses in, or plug different um, wallet addresses, um, and be able to build something that people can then look into more. Um, When trying to give insight to an audience uh, for NFTs, specifically looking at what other what other collections they might hold, what else they have in their wallet, um, and trying to look at that from a a collection-wide standpoint, you know, um, get ideas of what is this collector base interested in, what other things, you know, trying to find the overlap. Um, You know, that's definitely something that I look at. Got it. Okay. And when you sort of create these, uh, these, these dashboards for communities, um, what tends to be like the most common metrics that you sort of look at uh, and that you measure uh, across either communities, like to measure like a community's health, to measure a community's engagement um, and things around that nature? Yeah. I mean, act, I think that's, that's one we're still developing a lot, you know, trying okay. to understand how much engagement is there because it's, it's really different for different communities. You know, how much you want someone to be active um, at least on chain um, you know, we, it, when I think there's some, some issues in the NFT world where a lot of, a lot of revenue has come, uh, is coming from royalties and that, that <laughs> requires people to be selling, you know, and, and if people aren't selling, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing for, for mm-hmm. the collection. Um, so, you know, still trying to get some of that, you know, where is the, where is the, uh, engagement? How do you gauge engagement? Um, but I think that looking at, I mean, obviously looking at the, the, the trends over time, the price trends, also, um, how many holders there may be of a particular token or, or NFT collection. Um, you know, you see that falling off over time. That's, you know, generally, uh, yeah, generally people getting less interested. I mean, there are cases where you can see that people are, the existing community members may be becoming more excited about the project, but, usually see that, um, you you know, you can usually pick that out a little bit better. And that's also Mm -hmm. by knowing who those holders are. Are they, are they ones that are new to the, the, new to the ecosystem? Are they, uh, you know, existing holders? Mm. How many communities do you actually see using 
on-chain data actively in like the day-to-day process of building a community, trying to create unique experiences, or is it very much like the top 1% communities actually use data despite all the dashboards that are out there? It's a good question. For, for community building, I don't know that they're being utilized all that much yet. I think that we're at a point where there's, you know, there's so much opportunity that people are running ahead right now to, to try to get, mm-hmm. get somewhere before, you know, before all the competitors do. And that the small, some of the small data differences aren't, um, aren't quite coming into play yet. I think they'll become a lot more interesting as, as people start really taking the time to, to dig into them. I think there's a ton there for, for artists, for creators, especially when you start looking at what people are doing otherwise. I know you've talked about it on, on your podcast, how you've used it, you know, use data on, and with your own tool to, to find what your audience was interested in. And I mm-hmm. think that's such a smart thing that many people are not doing yet. Mm, interesting. Why don't you think many people are doing that yet? Like what, what's missing here? <laughs> Good question. Um, I think some, some of it may be, oh, well, I mean, sort of it was the, the first point, you know, that I think people are running to, to, right. to, to kind of stake their claim to different <laughs> um, areas, but, um, you know, areas within this ecosystem. But, you know, I, I, I think the other side is it's, it's still thought of as maybe more difficult than it needs to be. I think there's this idea that blockchain data must be, really difficult to decipher and, you know, it's, it's much easier to just use these, you know, right. to, to look at open sea history or something for NFTs or to, you know, occasionally, you know, go, you know, scan very easy to read things. And, you know, the truth is I think a lot of these, these dashboards, a lot of these tools have made it very accessible and you know, people should start taking more time to look into this. Hmm. What's up, guys? Sorry for the quick pause, but I wanted to tell you about Bello, a new blockchain analytics tool I built that helps Web3 native creators and communities learn more about their collectors and their on-chain behavior. Through a simple search, Bello's intelligence can help you figure out a price for your NFT drop, show you what other communities your collectors are part of, and empower you with insights to make confident decisions on how to grow your community. I built Bello with you in mind. So as a creator myself, Bello's helped me make money by finding sponsors for the podcast and allowed me to curate better content for you guys. And now it's ready to help other creators too. If you're a Web3 native creator, NFT project founder, or community manager, join the waitlist to try Bello's beta product today by signing up at bello.lol forward slash join. That's B-E-L-L-O dot L-O-L forward slash join. All right, back to the episode. You know, for for me, I, I see the biggest setback with creators and communities trying to use data is trying to understand what action they can take by understanding and looking at that data. And my next question to you is, do you yourself have a mental model? It's one thing to create a dashboard. It's another thing to understand what to do with that information. Do you have a mental model yourself as to how you analyze information, whether it be a pie chart, whether it be a bar graph, whether it be a line, whatever the, the, the media may be? Do you have a specific structure as to how you approach things? Yeah, I think one of the reasons that my, so my NFT dashboard specifically have um, become so popular is because I am active as an NFT trader and I mm. look at them much, <laughs> much, you know, trying to use it f- for my own purposes. And um, 
I think looking at what, what some of the other dashboards were out there at the, when I first started creating them, they weren't, it seemed like they weren't getting into some of the details that, that mm. uh, traders would need. And it's much more about, um, kind of volumes and, and total, uh, total transaction numbers, but that doesn't really mean a lot to, uh, when you're making an individual sale or, or, or it just some of the more detailed metrics that are happening, looking at things like how many, I mean, how many sales is that really? How many, what's the collection size? Mm-hmm. How much, what's the liquidity in a particular project? I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of times these big numbers, whether it's ETH or, or dollar or, you know, whatever other numbers are, are used kind of as a, a, you know, this big shock <laughs> number and it doesn't always mean a whole lot. Um, you know, floor price is, is definitely something that you can look at more in NFTs that's used often. And I think there's even more than that, you know, when we see that there's little, little volume overall, and I, you know, I don't have just said that don't use volume, but trying to see volume over in turnover over time, inventory turnover, mm-hmm. how fast is, you know, how fast is the collection moving? Right. Um, you know, trying to get a better idea than of, um, you know, some of the details of a particular collection or, or sure. Sure. I think also another element to that is like going back to the question of there's a lot of data out there, but why aren't communities maybe, maybe not why, but maybe the argument is like a lot of communities maybe aren't tapping into that data on a regular basis. Um, I want to, I want to pick your brain on another, another, another tangent of that is like, how do you find the balance between using data to make a decision versus sort of following your gut? What is, what does that balance and that trade-off look like? Yeah, man, I, I wish I had a, a very good answer for that because I think it is really <laughs> hard right now. Um, you know, so much, there is so much data and I think it can, you can use it to inform decisions. It doesn't, you know, I don't rely a hundred percent on, on data, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think that's even possible. So, you know, trying to, to weigh those other, I don't know, those, those metrics that can't be measured as well. And, uh, is, is definitely, um, tougher in this industry, especially when, you know, I, I, I think you probably know like how much sentiment plays a, right. plays a factor in, in NFTs and crypto in general. Right. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I do actually try to keep a, keep an idea of, you know, what is the sentiment? What is the market sentiment overall? And try to keep an idea, you know, am I falling into, to something when I'm, when I'm making a decision, am I trying to confirm something that I'm, that I'm hearing out there or am I, um, trying to look, you know, trying to look at this objectively. Another thing I want to know about you Rantum is like, what is a, what is a day in your sort of life look like? Cause I see you've created so many dashboards. You're obviously living on Dune. You study data consistently when you sort of create these dashboards and you're like, you're waking up in the morning, like is the first thing that you're doing sort of like building a dashboard <laughs> or trying to find, find something new to create or how do you sort of un, like, I guess. Um, you know, I think that, I think I, I got what you're asking there. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I look at a lot of my dashboards. I try to build dashboards that mean something to me. Um, when I do look at them in the morning, try to uh-huh. get an idea of what's been going on. Um, you know, both in crypto and, and prices, token prices, you know, as you know, there's often surprises, um, when you wake up. So like to know what's going on a bit and build those dashboards. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of maintenance in dashboards and, um, whether it's because of, you know, what I'm using Dune, whether it's Dune updates or upgrades, um, you know, upgrades still 
requires some some work, um, but also you know, open sea changes, different NFT marketplaces coming up, mm-hmm. and as much as as much as there's you know as much as I like to rely on on chain data, there's still a lot of manual data that needs to be put into Dune right now. Mm. Um, a lot of collection names need to be put in there, so you know, update a lot of those things um, on my own. Um, so I, I, I also work, do some work for art blocks right now. So maybe okay. a few internal dashboards for them, um, less collector, um, focused and more, uh, internal for them when they're trying to reconcile royalties and things like that. So those are, <laughs> those are always fun getting little differences right. and, and finding right. those, but you know, I, I like trying to build these dashboards that can be used over and over again. And no matter what, uh, there's always maintenance that needs to happen um and then you know when when thing when new uh protocols happen when new collections come out definitely try to to dig into that a little bit more and see what's going on right right i also want to talk to you about uh like new technology that's emerging in the ecosystem uh i remember vitalik recently proposed like a, a stealth address for anonymous nft ownership uh i'm curious if you have any thoughts around sort of that that area. Um, and also like with the introduction of like zero knowledge technology, how that would influence future usage and analysis of on-chain data. Yeah. I thought about that, you know, and, and one of the things that has attracted me, like I said, to this industry is the openness of data, but I also right. think that there is some, you know, there's some need for some privacy. You know, I know that there's times where I don't necessarily want anybody that's paying me to see every single transaction <laughs> that I've done um, you know, it's a little hard once, <laughs> once the wallet's public and, uh, you know, I think that there will become, there will, solutions will become more easy to access and you know, not having to go through, uh, OFAC, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Things against their, their terms anyway. But, uh, you know, so I, I think that some of this will change and I, I do wonder how much it changes once people, once kind of the blockchain part gets pushed a little bit more to the back end. I think right now people have a pretty good understanding of what it means to have your to to have your wallet public and, and you know, people that are in it. It's a pretty small number of people. It takes a lot of steps, and be, you almost have to in, uh, interact with some of the the underlying tech, and it makes you a little bit more aware of this. So I, I do wonder what happens when this becomes pushed kind of to the to where people can't see it when you're just mm-hmm. opening an app on your phone and it's running, you know, on, on the blockchain, you don't think about this. I do wonder how people, what the, uh, what people will expect for, for data privacy at that point. Um, you know, so I think it will, we'll, we'll see some shifts here. We may get to a point where we're seeing more, you know, we see a, a lot of maybe, you know, second layer two type of uh, activity, rolled up that you can't see quite as well, can't um, see individually as well as you can some of the the big transactions on the Ethereum network. Mm -hmm. So what happens when that happens? Like what, 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 what do you do as someone who spends so much time on Dune and someone who analyzes data and uses these tools as a way to kind of find your contribution in the space? Well, you know, I think the, I think one thing to keep in mind is, if we come, if we do have good privacy solutions that there's still going to be standardized and it won't be quite as much as 
you know, build a website and, and now you've got to go figure out all your analytics and sure. all your data is going to look different. It's still going to be going to be standardized and, you know, maybe it won't be public, but it's still there for, for companies that companies, creators, whatever, that are ready to, to use that data. It's a little bit more, you know, probably a little more, um, I mean, I wouldn't say it's web two because I think you're, you're getting user data, but you're not getting the, at that point, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't know the individual person. Um, so it provides a lot more privacy for individuals, but I think there's still a lot of data that you can work with publicly and, and be able to, uh, you know, take steps to, to improve your, your, your audience. Yeah. The next thing I want to talk to you about is, um, I guess like the current state of where we are in the, in the creator economy, you obviously spend a lot of time collecting stuff yourself. Um, you spend a lot of time analyzing communities. What are some interesting trends, insights, uh, notable things that have sort of sparked your curiosity or attention that you've discovered by being on-chain data analyst? Um, let's see. So in real life events, I think are really big for, okay. for blockchain communities. Um, you know, I think that those, that's a, that's something that's really helped. I've helped a lot of communities that I've seen, um, to kind of grow more and even grow together a little bit further than, than you could online. I think, you know, these online communities are great, um, for bringing people together, but also you know, people want to, to get together in real life. And I've seen that in many different communities. Um, you know, I mentioned that I do some work for art blocks. They do. Mm-hmm. They do event or they're doing a big event in Marfa, Texas, but they've done some other events, um, more with uh, bright moments. It's another company I've worked with a gallery down in, uh, based in, um, ben- uh, Venice beach, but they've, they've been going around to New York, Berlin, London, the next one's in Mexico city coming up. Um, and our blocks has a lot with them. And I see that that brings a lot more people out and you see people from different cities and di- kind of coming out from the crypto communities that are there. Um, and I think that's, I mean, I, uh, you know, I got into a lot of this when, when we were all staying inside and, you know, like many of us, and, you know, I definitely appreciate getting together with people. Right. Interesting. That's, that's another, like, okay, now it's about to spark a side tangent. Um, all right. what, what, what metrics do you look at to sort of measure community, uh, uh, togetherness? And how, how different wallet addresses are interacting with, within one another, amongst one another, right? And, and I guess I asked that question because when you're looking at on-chain data, or when you're looking to understand how your community is performing, primary sales, secondary sales, total volume lock, like these things could only say so much. But if you're trying to build, build longevity, right? You want to see how your community is sort of interacting amongst themselves, right? Are there any metrics or anything that you've sort of seen or worked on that indicate um, kind of like the strengthening of a community? You know, I don't, I don't think I have. I, I, it's a good, it's a good question. I think those are some good metrics to start measuring. Um, you know, I think right now we're, when we're looking at these, we're looking at um, things like, vote. you know, people are participating in, in votes right. and governance um, you can see that on chain. I wouldn't say that that's a, you know, great indicator of people coming together. Um, mm-hmm. although I do think that participation in votes is a sign of at least people paying attention as it, you know, usually doesn't take all that much to, to, uh, sign a transaction and do that. Um, and it, 
I think that is that's something that I've worked on actually with uh, the Uniswap team. We looked at a lot of uh, um, issues around the governance there and how much participation there is because there's there are cases. I mean, they had an issue where it wasn't there was nearly a uh, uh, improvement proposal passed that was not very very favorable to the community and. That was one where there just weren't very very many people voting at a certain point. So, you know, I think that is something that is important, and it's nice to see. I think we're still coming up with more, um, you know, need to come up with more ways to gauge how communities are evolving over time. Mm-hmm. I do. I think we're probably. It seems like we kind of need to have off-chain data linked with on-chain in some way. I mean, when we're looking at when we've got most of the activity for for these communities happening in Discord and more, more Twitter, you know, right. you've got to start looking at those when you're looking at uh, community activity more than just uh, on-chain right. activity. Got it. Okay. The last, the last question that I have for you before we, uh, we wrap up is in the beginning, we talked about how communities they're using data, but maybe not as frequent as they should. Right. Um, and for it could be for many different reasons. My question to you is, how can one become a more data-informed creator, more data-informed founder, more data-informed uh, community builder? What do you think about that? So I think every creator, every artist should have some kind of dashboard of their own. When I'm thinking about NFT artists, you know, I'm thinking about artists that are all over the place on different platforms. I think that having a dashboard for can give so much insight both to the creator and to the audience you can see when we're talking about all these different blockchain assets you can see where they all are where they're trading and yeah it may not all be about trading but it's nice to know where they are and what people are doing with them Mm -hmm. and you know, I think when, when you start looking at that as a creator, you can start understanding who the people are, who are the, what else are they doing on chain? What other collections might they have? What other tokens do they have? Are they new wallets? Are they, you know, are, is there a long history there? And, you know, I think some of uh, it's, it's even worth just reaching out directly to some of them. I think in many cases, when, when you see that, you know, if, if someone has a lot of assets, um, that you've put out, you know, definitely worth reaching out and seeing what, you know, what brought them to you. And if you can find more like right. that, right. You know, I think right now, you know, like you said, there's a little bit of a problem that what do you do with some of this data? And, you know, I think we are, you know, we're at the point that it's, it's a little bit of, it's, you got to get creative with it. Um, you know, figure out what to go do with it. But I think really understanding it, it kind of or digging into it and understanding it will kind of spark ideas. If you, you know, if you're in that, mindset mm. anyway. Mm. Okay. That's super interesting. Uh, Rantan, before I let you go, where can we find you? Where can we find your work? I know you're also a contributor to our network as well. I saw that in your bio. Um, yeah, shill it away. Where can we learn more and, keep, and stay in touch? Yeah, I'm Rantum Bits on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, you can find me also Rantum.xyz is my site. And yeah, reach out if you have any questions about data analytics. (laughs) Amazing. Till next time. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening. If you've gotten this far, then you are a champ and I owe you a free listener pin. 
Go to adamlevy.io forward slash NFT, fill in your info, and I'll distribute the NFT towards the end of the season. By collecting your pin, you prove your contribution to the season and get exclusive access to content, allow lists, and more. So be sure to collect yours. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. This helps me out so much. And finally, hit me up on Twitter at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you simply want to chat. I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy, and it's no different if it's coming from you directly. So thanks again for your support. It means the world, and I'll see you on the next episode.